Hello, this is Aaron, and welcome back to the podcast. I hope everyone had a great weekend. Thanks to those of you who did leave a rating on iTunes or hit the like button or the subscribe button on YouTube. And if you didn't do that last week and you haven't done it yet, please do because it helps with discoverability. I really appreciate it. I would also appreciate it if you have an episode that you particularly like, that you share it with a friend or five or 10 friends because word of mouth is undoubtedly the biggest way that this podcast and all of my work in general spread. So I really appreciate you passing it along uh, wherever you think is appropriate to do so. After my last newsletter on the managerial revolution, somebody on Twitter hit me with a reply that says, in light of your latest newsletter, how do you justify your participation in the county before country conference? And I don't think I have to justify my participation in anything, but this is a great opportunity for me to talk about the county before country conference. This is a conference that's put on by East River Church in Batavia, Ohio. I spoke there last year. You may have seen my talk on owned space. And Michael Foster, who's the lead pastor down there, is doing another one this year. It's uh, the first weekend of September, and it is going to be bigger and hotter than last year. So I'm going to be speaking there. Of course, Doug Wilson is going to be there. Uh, Arthur Kwan Lee, the great New York-based contemporary artist uh, that I interviewed here on the podcast, is going to be there. Same with John Moody, the great um, homesteading person that I also interviewed. Andrew Torba from Gab is going to be there. I've never met Andrew, even though I wrote about Gab and the censorship that they were facing way back in 2017. I was the only person talking about this issue in the conservative world back in 2017, but I never actually met him. So it'll be interesting to hear what he has to say. And then there's also a gentleman, I believe his name is Delano. Is it Delano? Delano Squires. I don't know him, but I'm looking forward to him as well. Some of you may know him. He's been on a lot of different media outlets uh, as well. So I'm going to put a link to this in the show notes so you can look at the full lineup and decide if this is something that you might want to attend. Last year's was overflow attendance, and I'm sure this year's will be again. So I'm very excited uh, to be able to participate in that. Don't know exactly what I'm going to be speaking about yet. I gave a preliminary talk title of cultural insurgency, and it's probably going to draw on some of the themes that I'm going to be laying out in the newsletter uh, over the coming months, where I delve into how do we respond to the situation in which we find ourselves. Now, I do think it's a legitimate question to say, how should we think about localism in light of the fact that we are a managerial society in which power resides in mass institutions? And what I would say is, in this environment, localism, the small, is necessary but not sufficient. I'm actually all in favor of building things at small scale. In fact, small scale is healthier in a lot of ways. A lot of the negative effects of industrial society came about precisely because of the gigantism. Now, I'm not 
again, all down bad on big things. We need big things. I like the conveniences that large things provide us. There aren't a lot of small-scale airlines. If you want to be able to fly places, which I like to do from time to time, we need a big company to do that. We need big infrastructure to do that. There's nothing inherently wrong with big. Ivan Illich, the radical Catholic priest that I previously highlighted, his books include Medical, Nemesis, Medical Nemesis, Deschooling Society, Gender, great stuff. He wrote a book called Tools for Conviviality in which he talks about what is it that makes a tool a good thing or a bad thing. It's not always related to being high-tech or low-tech, about being big or little, but rather how it affects the way that we interact with our world. So I think there's a lot of technical developments and a lot of scale effects that are actually quite positive in our life. Nevertheless, much of what makes life worth living happens at the small scale. Inevitably, for example, family is small scale. Friendships are small scale. I don't know if it's literally true that Dunbar's number of 150 is the upper total on how many human relationships a human being can have. But the truth is, all of us have a limit to how many people we can have deep personal relationships with. Personal relationships happen at small scale. So I certainly believe that it is important for us to start with the small, with the things that are near to us before we move on to the bigger things. I think there's actually a biblical principle uh, about that. Maybe it's very similar to Jordan Peterson. Clean your room, bucko. Start by cleaning your room before you do anything else. And again, you have to be faithful in the small things before you're faithful in the big things. Note what it doesn't say. Be faithful in the small things, period. It's good to be faithful in big things. It's good to be entrusted with the big things, but we have to start with the small things. Similarly, take the log out of your own eye. Why? So that you can see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. It doesn't say, take the log out of your own eye and stop there. Similarly, what do we see? Stop stealing, start working so that you will have something to share with other people. Start closer to home. First, take responsibility for yourself, then take responsibility for your family, your church, your neighborhood, the community around you. But we can't stop with that. And so I would say there's definitely a lot of things that we need to do in terms of attempting to isolate ourselves as much as possible from the negative and toxic effects of the society in which we live. So making sure that we are in good shape, that we're eating healthy, that we're cultivating uh, ourselves and all of our excellences, we're competent, uh, seeking personal holiness, seeking out a good husband or a good wife, uh, having and raising children, being active in a church, uh, you know, acquiring property, developing businesses, many, many of the things that we could do to build capacity within ourselves to move on to the bigger things. So starting small, starting at the local level, is actually quite good and quite appropriate. And it's important that we do that. This idea that I'm going to go save the world as this sort of isolated atomic individual uh, who's just living out there in the consumerist market, totally dependent on the system, that's not likely 
to happen. And it's also in some cases, we don't know how to affect these large scale systems. We may be in a weak position where we frankly don't have a lot of ability to engage on a lot of them. And so we say, what can I do? What can I do is I can clean my room. I can do the things that are within my control. I mentioned before the, I think it's a Stephen Covey concept. He probably didn't originate it, but it's in his book about uh, your circle of control versus your circle of concern. Your circle of control is the set of things that you can actually personally affect and do something about. Your circle of concern are the things that you're worried about, that you're you know, considering, that you're paying attention to. And you want your circle of concern to be bigger than your circle of control because that's how we grow. We expand our sphere of control. But if your circle of concern is too gigantic, if it's too out there, then all you're doing is causing yourself enormous stress because you're worried all the time about things you can't do anything about. So there's also a place where we're not sure what we can do. We're facing something that's bigger than ourselves, beyond our skills. And so we focus on being faithful, on plowing in the field that's in front of us and doing what we can, even though we recognize that there's bigger problems that we're just not quite sure how to engage on yet. Here's where I start getting into a bit of a dispute from many of the localists. And I would certainly not put uh, Michael Foster or the East River Church people into this category. But if you follow the uh, Front Porch Republic crowd, as I call them, I, I have nothing against the Front Porch Republic, you know, as an institution. If you go to their site, there's a lot of great material out there, and I'm all about Front Porch. You know, I'm all about having your neighbors over on your Front Porch. In fact, I actually talked about building social capital through having porch parties uh, in a prior podcast. But if you start noticing those guys, what you often see is that many of them go beyond saying, focus on the local. They attack any attempt to do anything at large scale. And again, I keep going back to Patrick Deneen. You read his book, Why Liberalism Failed. He paints this terrible picture of how bad liberalism is. But if you read his book, he expressly delegitimizes the idea of trying to change the system of liberalism. All we can basically do is this little small-scale neo-Tocquevillian stuff. We couldn't possibly try to change this, horrible as it is, because that would be bad. It would be worse. It's almost like this idea of like Voltaire. We live in the best of all possible worlds, no matter how horrible it might actually seem today. And I might even detect a little about this in, in Dreer, the Benedict Option. Again, I support a lot of the Benedict Option, but would he support an attempt to fundamentally transform our culture and society in order to be you know, healthier and better? I don't know that he would. I mean, again, is that because he doesn't think it's possible or because he thinks it's illegitimate? It's not clear, but sort of amounts to the same thing. There are a lot of people who are involved in the Neo-Tocquevillian movement that it seems to me do not believe we should aspire to big societal change. That might be, wait for it, Christian nationalism or something like that. Or it might be a betrayal of our conservative principles or our you know, democratic principles. There's always some reason that people seem to come up with in order to attack anybody 
who wants to actually do something to attempt to make changes at scale. And I would actually argue that in many cases, it's not wise to try many of the things uh, that people do try uh, because they don't work. Uh, nevertheless, um, I think there's we have to have scope to think about how we move beyond the small scale solution to doing things that move the needle in the right direction at bigger scales. Some of this might just be as simple as the next step. I'm going to get myself appointed to some local board in my local government, and I'm going to make it function more effectively. Or maybe I'll put my hand up to try to get a job, a political job in my city government in charge of something. Maybe I want to run the parks department. And we can actually start making our parks department uh, good. Now, again, we start finding out it's actually hard to change things uh, at scale. But thinking about how to get bigger, thinking about how to transform things, thinking long term, thinking game changing is very important. And again, some of the things that I'm going to be talking about over the course of the next months are going to get into some of the hows of this. And that's not to say that I'm going to endorse all of these. But if you really want to make changes uh, in the American system, in the American regime, if you will, how do you go about doing that? So if you want to read ahead, one of them I'm going to talk about is this concept called fourth generation war that uh, military uh, historian strategist uh, William Lynn has laid out. And what does it mean to have a fourth generation war uh, or insurgency? That's where I took the term insurgency from. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Not saying that I would necessarily adopt all of them, but it's a way to think about the problem. I'm also going to talk about how to avoid becoming morally debilitated by the moral defects in the United States of America. In fact, this might be my very next newsletter. I think I'm going to call it America Was Never Great and That's Okay. Uh, you know, conservatives have, in my view, too often kind of almost nauseatingly held up America as this beacon of perfection to the world. And I happen to think America is a pretty great country, but America's also done some pretty shady things. Uh, yes, in the past, but, but also in the not-too-distant past and even today. And just like when our kids misbehave, that doesn't mean that we stop loving our kids. We don't have to have a works-righteousness approach to loving our country either. Uh, we can love our country in spite of acknowledging its defects. And why do I say that's important? Because the whole idea of attempting to focus on purported American crimes is to morally debilitate uh, Americans, particularly certain subsets of the American demographic, uh, from being able to take strong action by claiming that they're somehow morally implicated uh, in these things, which is something that I totally reject. So stay tuned for that. And there are a lot of little things like that I'm going to be looking over and said, if we want to start thinking about how we change the game in America over a very long period of time, maybe even longer than in my lifetime, how might we go about doing that? So I don't want to just say that we should focus on the local and never think about the bigger scale. I think we want to focus on the local so that we can focus on the bigger scale. We need to be in physical shape, healthy to, to the extent that it uh, depends on us. Why? So that we have energy and time to put into mission and other things. All of it is in the service of some sort of mission. 
localism is yes, there's its own reward in having a great family. Yes, there's our kind of our own reward for knowing our neighbors and having friendships and all of this stuff and having a house of your own. It has its own reward, right? Holiness is its own reward. You know, stopping stealing, stopping sinning is its own reward. But that's not where it stops. There's always a next step. You know, I, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing to others, as we see with Abraham. And so there's always something that goes beyond us and is outward directed and is other directed. And I think in a lot of respects, the purely localist approach becomes too inner-focused, inner-directed, and sort of wants to just you know ignore the outside world, seal ourselves off in the outside world, escape from the outside world, uh, rather than being oriented outwardly. And again, there may be times when a purely inward focus is required. Maybe for the church in Ukraine right now, their survival has to take first consideration over everything. You know, they have to just prioritize internally. In fact, I would argue the church in America needs to be much more inwardly focused. Maybe another article that I'm going to write is called In Praise of the Private Good. You hear all this talk about common good conservatism? Well, minority groups have to be more concerned about the private good of their community uh, because they have to be. And when you transform yourself from a moral majority to a moral minority, you have to start adopting minority perspectives and say, wow, we actually have to spend much more time focusing on our community health. Uh, we have to spend more time uh, and thinking about how we instruct our kids because we can't just rely on the institutions of society, like say the Boy Scouts to do that for us. And so there, there is an important element of localism. I'm very pro-localism, but localism is not you know, an end in and of itself. It can start there, but it can't end there. And maybe there are people for whom that is the end. I'm not saying you shouldn't go live off the grid and homestead if that's what you really want to do, but that can't be extended as the norm to everyone else. And one of the things I would just encourage you to look at when you see someone advocating what I call neo-Tocquevillian type solutions as you know, small-scale community regenerating you know, American society, civil society from the bottom up, Look at what they have to say about bigger scale, bigger attempts. What you often find is there is an implicit or even explicit hostility to any attempts at large scale change. And these people seem to be by and large at peace with the status quo in America. I mean, that's basically what it's saying is, you know, I'm going to go have my little front porch gatherings and, you know, the world's just going to basically burn out there. And so that's what I would say. Just an opportunity to talk a little bit about localism, which I don't think is something we should abandon or totally neglect. I just want to be clear that we cannot just stop there and we cannot neglect the large because bigness uh, is important in the modern world. I think they say it was uh, Stalin. I don't remember exactly who it was, his famous line, quantity has a quality all its own. And that's true in modern warfare. It's true in a lot of things today. And we have to be aware of that and be attuned to that. So just a few thoughts on that. 
And again, I'll also uh, remind you uh, of the County Before Country 2022 conference coming up at the very beginning of September and check out the show notes uh, for a link to that on Eventbrite. Again, thank you all for listening and I'll talk to you again next week.